How are you? Good to see you. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, I like talking to you, specifically because uh, the Lord Jesus taught us that you are the one to come alongside of us and teach us. You're the teacher. And Jesus himself was referred to as the teacher. He was a rabbi. We would like his teaching today. And even Jesus said that the teaching his followers heard wasn't his own. It came from the Father. So we would like the, the message of the Father and the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit to come through, through me. And we would like to receive. Help each of us to hear whatever you'd like us to hear Wash away anything that I say that doesn't bear your fingerprints, your imprint. Lord, we, we look to receive from you the word that will give us life. In the mighty name of Jesus, I ask it. If you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? amen. Thank you. Thank you. So we, we've been doing a series called Simple Practices. Some people call the things we've been talking about holy habits. And we've talked about things like praise and prayer and reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, and, and fasting. And, and Nicholas, I thought, knocked it out of the park last week, talking about, you know, solitude and silence, things that are often not mentioned, actually, in the church. Not enough, anyway. Well, today, believe it or not, among the disciplines is managing your money. Managing your money, it is a discipline. It's one of those things that if you learn to practice it well, it can help you to experience the life of God. Yeah, thank you for that enthusiasm, seriously. We're, I'm getting some enthusiasm from the front row, but not so much anywhere else. A typical reaction when this subject is introduced at churches is, uh-huh, I knew it. Just a matter of time. They suck you in, man. They, they attract you with these menu options, these programs, these events, giveaways at the welcome booth, and they're going to ask for your money. Going to ask you to hang on to your wallets, everybody. Here's a question I want you to consider. Could it be that maybe even just sometimes that pastors who address this are not always self-serving? but actually have your well-being in mind. Could be. Maybe. Thank you. I am feeling the love. So, so consider, here's some facts. I'm just going to share five basic facts about this subject. Now, some of you are, are veteran followers of Jesus. This is old news to you. But for some of you, this, this may not be old news. But consider these things. Remember, you never have to take the word of anyone who preaches here for anything. Test everything. We, we don't have the infallible perspective. We don't have the final word. Jesus has the final word, and even our understanding of Scripture is very, very incomplete. Paul says we look through a glass darkly. We know only in part. Paul taught or observed that the Berean Jews searched the scriptures to see if what was being said was so. Feel free to do your own study. Now here's one fact. 
the Bible, which happens to be the source of all we believe and value, says more about money than heaven and hell combined. Says more about that. Why, you might wonder. Well, because our attitude toward money reveals a lot about the condition of our heart, and the heart is always what God's after. Always after the heart. Why? That's the core of who you are. God aches for relationship with people. It's not about controlling people. We've, we've learned that God is non-controlling. We've seen it in that text, especially in 1 Corinthians 13, that tells us what love looks like, what agape love looks like. And the Bible tells us God is agape love, which is an unusual kind of love, a supernatural kind of love, unconditional love, a love where there are no deal breakers, a love that is non-intrusive because it says God doesn't insist on its own way. God is non-coercive and he's non-intrusive. He stands at the door and knocks. He waits for us to open the door. So our attitude toward money reveals a lot about the condition of our hearts and God wants us to have a healthy heart. And then also aside from the Bible's warnings about idolatry, greed is identified as the most problematic issue which afflicts people. And did you know the Bible says that greed is idolatry? Colossians 3.5, greed is idolatry. And what is idolatry? Idolatry happens when we look for life or security or identity in anything other than God. Anything other than God. You can idolize a person. You can idolize a sexual orientation. You can, you can idolize a home. You can idolize a career. You can idolize a reputation. You can idolize your own fitness. Am I making sense? So God warns us in the Bible primarily about idolatry and next to that, He's shown a lot of concern about greed, and then he identifies that greed is actually idolatry. Another thing to pay attention to is God's word teaches that if we're not faithful, is the word he uses, faithful in the management of money, that has to do with today's text, if you're not faithful in the management of money, who will entrust the true riches to you? If we're not faithful in the management of money, we are disqualified from being entrusted with what's called the true riches. What are those things? Those are things money can't buy. It has to do with kingdom values and kingdom benefits. David reminds believers of some of the benefits of walking with God. In Psalm 103, he, he's having a conversation with himself. When he uses this language at the beginning of that psalm, and he says, bless the Lord of my soul, that's a clue that he is down in the dumps. He needed to revive his soul. He needed to encourage himself. The Bible tells us David encouraged himself in the Lord. He needed to talk to himself. And so he said, bless the Lord of my soul, soul. Bless the Lord. Don't forget his benefits. And then he started identifying and reminding himself of some of the benefits. He, he 
forgives your sins. He heals your diseases. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He fills your life with good things so that your strength is renewed like the eagles. He goes on to say he separates your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. That's good. That's God. Those are kingdom things. Those are true riches, things money can never buy. And actually, a lack of faithfulness in managing money helps us learn we're not as trustworthy as we we thought we were to be entrusted with those things money can't buy. Another important thing to think about, the Bible reveals God is not against wealth at all. He's against greed. There's a lot of people that are identified in the Bible as not just mildly wealthy, but terrifically wealthy. I mean, Solomon wasn't the only billionaire by modern standards, probably a trillionaire by modern standards. It was a ridiculous amount of wealth he had. David was wealthy. Abraham, it says, was rich in silver and gold and cattle. Numerous godly people were wealthy, and there are certainly some people in the Bible that weren't wealthy who weren't very godly. God is not against wealth. He's against greed. Why? Because he loves people, and greed hurts people. And what's always perhaps amazing to those of us who who aren't wealthy by first world standards, when you read a story that's now an old story about the executives of Enron, huge corporation, already multimillionaires, they plundered the retirement accounts of the other employees because they didn't think they had enough. Would you say that's greed? But greed can afflict you even if you're poor. If you tend to believe that your life, your security, or your identity will be found in wealth, then greed has become idolatry in your life. Another thing that's important to consider is the scriptures help us see that we should not place our confidence in what Paul calls the uncertainty of riches. Whatever you have in your retirement account, if you have a retirement account, if you're blessed enough to have a retirement account or a pension, he doesn't want us to place our confidence in the uncertainty of riches. Things can change in a moment. Things can go south in a moment. Paul said to Timothy, who he was mentoring, Don't put your trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in God, and then he added this, who richly supplies us with everything for our enjoyment. You mean God wants me to have material possessions to enjoy? That's what he was saying. God richly supplies us with everything for our enjoyment. God is not against joy and the enjoyment of material things. He's not against it. But he is against greed. He's against looking for identity, security, and so forth from that. And the Bible teaches that ultimately everything in the world belongs to God. Everything. The Bible says in Haggai, all silver, all gold. In the Psalms, the cattle on a thousand hills, everything belongs to God. Elon Musk is now I understand the wealthiest person in the world. I don't know if Elon knows this. 
Every penny he has, all property he has belongs to God, doesn't even belong to him. Every dollar you have, every material thing you have doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. You don't have a pair of socks in your drawer that belong to you. Yeah, nothing. No food in your cupboard that belongs to you. Who's it belong to? You see, if we understand we're, we're managers, another word the Bible uses is stewards, same, same idea. We're managers, we're not owners. Managers, managers give an accounting. Someday there will be accounting. This doesn't have anything to do about whether you're gonna go to heaven or not. When you read about coming before the judgment seat of Christ, that isn't the great white throne judgment that has to do with eternal destiny. Every Christian's gonna go before the judgment seat of Christ and give an accounting for his or her life. You know, heaven isn't a communist state. It's not an equal experience for everybody. It will be awesome for everybody. But Jesus says you can store up treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust don't consume and thieves don't break in and steal. You can store up. Everything belongs to God. You know what that word means in the original? It means everything. <laughs> I want to just share with you some principles, hopefully, that will help you manage it well. Learn to trust God to be your provider. No matter how much money you make, it's only too much money if that money replaces your trust in God. God's got a lot of people he can trust with millions and billions of dollars because they haven't allowed that money to replace their trust in God. They hold it loosely. Some of them are very extravagant givers. You may not know about R.G. Letourneau, who was the founder of Letourneau College. He was the guy in the early 1900s who developed all of that big earth-moving equipment. He never had a formal education. He said he, he graduated from the school of hard knocks where the colors were black and blue. In his job, he would take on these big jobs that would require him to, to clear acres and acres of jungle in South America. He'd spent six to seven months just building equipment to do that. He was a genius who lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit and gave away over 90% of his income. Over 90%. He loved to give. He wasn't about hoarding. He believed God wanted him to prosper, but he was a guy who could be trusted. Learn to trust God to be your provider so that if you don't have a nickel in your bank, you could say, God won't let me down. He won't let me down, but see, he has to convince you of that. It's not enough to have a theology of that. God wants you to have a theology of that, or to say it another way, a biblical understanding of that, so that you have an experience of that. Some of us get worried as we get to my age. I'm 85. I, I tell people that all the time, and they go, boy, you look pretty good. Actually, I'm 70. But... You start getting toward that age where you're thinking about, well, maybe, maybe I'll stop being formally employed and collect Social Security, and you wonder, man, can I, 
Can I make ends meet? Guess what? You can more than make ends meet if God is your provider. If you know that, but you and I have to know that. You have to know that if you're 35 and not just 65. God wants you to, he wants widows to know that. He wants orphans to know that. He wants single moms to know that. Single dads to know that. He wants everybody who's marginalized to know that he is an indiscriminate provider. He wants not only to meet every need, he wants to bless you with many of your wants, especially when you haven't idolized your wants. God wants you to dream. He's perfectly fine with you dreaming about the house you'd really like to live in, the car you'd really like to drive, the clothes you'd like to wear. The only people that, where God would say, you know, slow down a little bit about those things are the people who are looking for life and security and identity in those things. But you can be entrusted with all of those things and more if you learn to hold them loosely and to look for your life from God. God is not anti-wealth. He's anti-greed. Learn to trust him as your provider. What's the secret to knowing him as your provider? The secret is Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And every practical thing you need will be added unto you. And he's talking about practical things. Things you wear. Things you eat. Read that chapter, that sixth chapter of Matthew. Man, it's exciting. God knows. He knows about all these needs we have. And he says, seek first. Seek first. What does seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness look like? It always looks like seeking first the king. Seek first King Jesus. Seek him first. Ask him to help you to seek him first. Here's a prayer I want to introduce you to. I learned this from a pastor who pastored a church for almost 40 years. He became a legendary leader of a church in the Twin Cities. He led a church from about 100 people to 8,000. He seemed to me to be a pretty humble guy, actually. And he used to say to his congregation, he learned to say this to the Lord, Lord, I can't. You can. Please do. Thank you. I I can't make myself, Lord, that man who wants to seek you, that woman who wants to seek you first. I can't make myself that man, but you can. Please do. Thank you. I can't make myself a wholehearted follower of Jesus. My best efforts won't, won't be enough to become a wholehearted follower of Jesus. It's just humanly impossible. But what is impossible with man is possible with God, right? He tells us these things because he wants us to experience these things. What if we experienced a supernatural life that took us from our trying harder living to receiving more living? Because it isn't about trying harder. It is about receiving more. Learn to experience God as your provider. Father, help me to experience you as my provider, to know in my heart and my bones you're my provider. So that if everything is taken from me, I still have you because you will never leave me. They can't take you from me. There's no power on earth that can take Jesus from you and no one can take you out of his hand. He ain't going to let him. Nothing can take you out of the Father's hand, Jesus said. So some principles for managing money well. Learn to trust God to be a provider and also earn, earn some money. Earn some money. Do you know that employment is God's primary way of, of meeting our needs and our wants? 
And do you know that work was a sign before what we call the fall, before Adam and Eve sinned and were, were driven from the garden? Work was a sign. They were invited to give, to bring, uh, give dominion, rule over the world and to be fruitful and multiply. Work was a sign. Work isn't evil. Now, toil is another thing. You've been redeemed from toil. You can work. And work is noble. In fact, the Bible tells us to give it our best. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto people. Sure, most of us have a boss. Don't work as unto your boss. Your, your boss might not be a very likable person. You might want to cheat your boss out of hard work. Don't do it. Work is unto the Lord. Your promotion comes from the Lord. Give work your best. Trust God to be a provider and earn some. Earn some money. Give some. Give some. Consistent sacrificial giving to support the ministry that feeds you and nourishes you and also to help others in need is critical. It'll deliver you from the tyranny of greed. I learned, I was a young man, I read a book, I was like 24. The church was new, we just started the church, this church. I didn't know anything about managing money, nothing. I read a book by a guy named Malcolm McGregor called Your Money Matters. I learned that it matters to God. I learned the text today, Luke 16, 10, that if I'm not faithful in managing money, who will entrust the true riches to me? I wanted to take a deep dive. I hope this isn't bragging. I hope it's a testimony. I wanted to take a deep dive into learning to manage money well. And I learned a little bit about giving, and I've kept learning about giving. It doesn't have to be a have to. It can be a get to. God loves it when you become what Paul calls in 2 Corinthians 8, a hilarious giver. That's the actual original language word, a hilarious giver. What if you learn to give before you have a surplus? What if you give out of your need? What if you don't calculate what it's gonna cost you to give and you just give right off the top? That's faith, that's stepping out and saying, God first, God always. Giving will give you the opportunity to trust God to meet your needs. Trust God as your provider. Earn some, give some, save some, save some. You know cars and washing machines predictably break down? And sometimes we can find ourselves unemployed or underemployed and we need to have the money to, to pay for those repairs. So save some. Think about that. Wrestle with that. You might not want to wrestle with it alone. You might want to get the influence of, of somebody who maybe knows more about money management than you. Well, I tell you, that's been a blessing to me to have people who can help me. I remember meeting with Roy Lemke years ago when I was very young and getting some guidance. Roy, Roy helped a lot of people in this church to learn to manage money. And save, save some and then spend some. 
expensive, but living within your means. And I just want to share with you how giving attention to this discipline has improved my life. It's helped me to see that God cares about every area of life and to include him in everything and exclude him from nothing. You know, that's up to you. God won't force you to do that. But if you learn to include him in everything and exclude him from nothing, that'll be a game changer for you. It's, it's helped me to learn that I don't have to face the sometimes crushing pressure of trying to provide for my family alone. God's reputation as a provider is well-deserved. He likes to show his kids that he's got a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And do you know God's hands are open? Did you know that? What's your picture of God? The Bible tells you in James 1, for example, when you need wisdom, ask God. It tells you to ask him for two reasons. It gives you two reasons. He's the source of wisdom, but it also tells you he's generous and he loves to give, it says, ungrudgingly. That's a word we don't often hear. He gives generously and ungrudgingly. That means God's disposition is to give. His hands are open. He loves to shovel it out. He doesn't dole it out in little cube-sized portions. Jesus didn't multiply sardines. He multiplied loaves and fish so that thousands could eat and be satisfied. Yeah. Giving attention to this discipline helped me to see that God cares about my wants. As I mentioned a little while ago, not just my needs. He cares. He knows you need a vacation sometimes. He knows you need a break. He knows sometimes you need to have a really great meal at a really great restaurant. He cares. He cares. I want to close with some questions. Is what I've shared so far today an established practice in your life? I don't say that to shame you, just asking the question. Do you want it to be? Oh, thank you. Thank you, dear. Do you want it to be? Here's some steps. If you haven't already, begin to strive to tithe to your church. Maybe this isn't your church. Tithing is a word that means 10%. I heard somebody say some years ago, well, the modern tithe is like maybe 5%. I said, oh, that's like a, a quartet of three. The word tithe means 10. You can strive to tithe. Strive to tithe. If you've never been a tither, try giving. Start, start, it, start at 5%. Work your way up. See what happens. Just see what happens. Invite God into it. Consistently set aside a little cash fund so you're always ready to give some money to the poor. Be ready. Take Todd Broyles class. That's another step. We've got a class here where you can learn about money management. It's practical. It'll help you. Thank you. Yeah. I want to invite the worship team up. We like to conclude our services with worship, and today we have a baptism, which is really exciting. And as I usually do, I want to say if you're watching online or you're here and you've never welcomed Jesus into your heart, today's the day. The Bible says now's the time. Don't put this off. Open your heart. How do you do that? Just to say, Lord Jesus, help me. I want to receive you. Help me to experience you. Come into my life. I want to welcome you. Wash away my sins. Make me the person I can't make me because I can't. You can't. Please do. Thank you. 
And would you also join me, each and every one of you, in praying that God will help us to establish this practice of stewardship of our material and financial resources as a discipline. Would you do that? Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus Christ? Lord Jesus Christ, open my heart to learn to trust you to be my provider. Open my heart to learn to implement this practice of trusting you and learning to be a steward and not an owner because I'm not an owner and learning to manage money well and learning to give. All these things we talked about help us, Lord Jesus, to be doers and not merely hearers. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen?